Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on August the 23rd, 2015. As we go further and further into this expertly run society, just like technocracy is all about too, where we're going to get managed from birth to death by experts. Individually, that is too, not just collectively. And we're given the same standardized education, which is a politically correct education, updated for the period we're in and where we have to go from now, sort of thing. And you find that this thing called news, as I say, is becoming, it's like water in a desert, trying to find anything that really is news, really is news. We know for a fact that, and I've read it on the air too, a few years ago there, where the Levison Inquiry in Britain put out various uh, statements and passed, and actually drafted up the laws, and they're all passed to do with what news people could say and what they couldn't say, and, and it terrified a lot of uh, journalists and so on, until we're given nonsense for news now. No one's going to get involved in news in case they're breaking some rule somewhere or upsetting government by saying something uh, that the public are not supposed to know. And that's where we are with it all today. All you have is regurgitated nonsense and news about foreign countries all over the place. Uh, And even that is propaganda managed by marketing companies working on behalf of government or actual PR departments of government or some agency or another, and until so you just can't get truth anymore. And that was supposed to be how we get managed into the society, this new updated progressive society, where only certain groups or whatever could, could say anything uh, about anything uh, with impunity, and, and nobody else could talk about anything at all that really matters. News is not news anymore. Because as I've mentioned before, anything that really matters to the individual's life is secret. It's your national security, geopolitical uh, agendas, which is again to do with national security, or you'll, you'll find that it's to do with a whole new transforming of the world into global society run by corporations like Professor Carl Quigley talked about with his tragedy and hope in the Anglo-American establishment where he went through the history of the group, really, that came up with the idea for a global system, a common culture uh, across the planet, and uh, common belief systems even across the planet, and uh, run by private, massive international corporations. So... What is news now? News is mainly propaganda nowadays. And you have no idea how many agencies employed by government work to put out what you're given as news. And the technique, again, too, is to standardize, a very old idea, standardize all news. I went through the history from the Rockefeller, uh, actually from their own sites, their old one, their old information from the 30s where they, they said, how can, we, how can we standardize the news? How many newspapers across, say, the U.S. do we have to influence so they'll repeat the news that we put out? 
And they came out with a, a particular number of, of main newspapers and magazines they'd have to create, which they did, to standardize that. Then all the other papers, the lesser papers, would all copy and just parrot what they said. It's an old idea. But today it's so overwhelming, isn't it? It's overwhelming the news that you're getting. And it's not going to change now, folks. This is, this is the next part. We're into the next part of feeding the proper information <laughs> to the general population so they'll behave themselves and believe what they're told to believe. And it's terribly sad that, because I was reading an article today too about the end of even hard copy books, how most libraries now are dumping the books. They've been dumping them for years now and transferring everything into computer and um, and of course with that, it's just like the movies they used to have on VHS. A lot of the movies were not remade on disc uh, from the VHS and you just can't find them anymore. It will be the same thing with a lot of the books that disappear. You'll never ever uh, be, be transmuted into the digital idea. It just doesn't happen with a lot of them because there's whole panels sitting there discussing what should get, re- get uh, reprinted and what shouldn't be, you see. And George Orwell went through this whole technique with, about the memory hole and how information and, uh, dis- disappears down the memory hole. If you can't find the information, you'll never know about certain things that have happened in the past. You'll never know either uh, about the certain cons that governments across the world tend to pull every so often. Uh, to deceive the public, to divert their attention from main topics that they should be looking at and so on. Uh, Things like that. Just techniques, you see. It's all techniques. We're run by techniques. And techniques that work are repetitively used because they do work. All we're given are the little emotive topics to argue about. And that's an old technique, too, in getting folk arguing about things. If you look into the history of Lawrence of Arabia, as they call him, he was a British agent, uh, trained in intelligence, and taught the languages, the various Arabic languages. And uh, he was sent out to the Middle East and to Arab countries to change the news, and the way the news was presented over there, uh, well funded, again, by the British taxpayer through the government, with the idea of uh, putting out groups, little gangs of guys that go around the bazaars and different places where men congregated, and putting out information to get them arguing about things, things that were happening or could be happening or may be happening in their own country. Uh, not necessarily any of them true, and then they'd send out uh, they send out other guys into these these bazaars to see and listen to the chat afterwards after the paper they published and all in their paper that they put up to see if they picked it up and and were debating it the different points that were given to them understand that to be ruled and taken over even uh, even in a bloodless way you've got to change your target in the way that they think about things, what they believe and what they're fed for as information. You weaken them. You weaken the culture 
by putting in arguments of their religions or whatever it happens to be, or even their history. And that's an old technique that was used back then. You can find out about that in Seven Pillars of Wisdom, written by the man himself, and how, how it worked and how it was effective propaganda. So we're living in today in a more advanced form of, of course, because through the electronic age, folk think they're freer and they're getting more information. But what are you really getting for information uh, through the, the whole worldwide uh, Internet and so on and the satellite broadcasts that are predominant now? Where are you really getting? Uh, do you really think it's all independent? Do you? Do you think there there's so, so many of the same stories are repeated just like the mainstream on television? Uh, verbatim, by coincidence, what do you really think about that, you see? And of course, nothing is left to chance by powerful, wealthy nations or groups who want to dominate your thoughts and to change the way you think about things so you'll drop previous conclusions and adapt uh, and adopt into the new conclusions, of course. So that's really where we are today. It's been going on for an awful, awful long time, as I say, through regular media and the old, even before radio and television, through, it was done through newspapers primarily. Uh, it's just going on and on and on until here we are today, uh, getting standardized news, of course. Any dissenting news from other countries is classed as, as enemy propaganda and things like that. And you shouldn't listen to it, yada, yada, yada. So it's pretty bad these days. It really is bad. I've looked at alternative sites, for instance, and watched the history of it. Because you're, you're really, if you're awake at all, you're looking and studying all the time. Not just at the information that's presented to you from different sources and the techniques used, but also you're looking at the effect it has on, on people who ad- adopt opinions because they generally follow leader types, you see. And even with the, the alternative media, they've really been careful, very good at the top with counterintelligence to start mixing all the new age phenomena, you know, reincarnation, the ufology, all of these things, in with supposedly factual things to do with what's happening in your little country and the world's, and the big powerful group. So everything is mushed together now. There's even one big uh, meeting going on in Toronto right now uh, with a guy from Alternative Media uh, as a top host or guest. And the guy who was hosting it actually is a late night talk show all night long, basically, or half a night long, who does all the new age stuff. And then you, you have uh, a, this was a top ufology guy there, UFOs. And it's all mushed together, you see, until you don't know what to believe anymore. And you're really classified and stamped as safe if one minute you're parting on about what's happening in the world, where it's intended to go by those major players, the rich and powerful and the corporations, etc. Uh, and then you, you then go on to talk about... Uh, channeling uh, so-and-so from Zeta Reticuli, uh, an alien ET and all the rest, this kind of stuff, uh, you're classified then as safe because no one's going to believe you when you mush all this together and start repeating it, you see. That is called counterintelligence. It's worked very well. didn't happen by itself.
Therefore, alternative media and what they used to call patriot media in the States, that is, has become a very lucrative circus of entertainment, really. And it's fine if it's for entertainment and for the cash to get rich, etc. But it's not so great when folk believe it is the truth anymore. That's the problem. Now, you can't guarantee the safety of anybody's mind that picks up your information. You can't. Because there's such a variety of personalities out there. And that's the way it should be. You've got to accept that, folks. You've got to accept all the, uh, the different variations of thought of humanity. That's what freedom really is. Even if it's off the wall and nuts, that's their right to have it, to believe it, and to express it, of course. It's the same thing, too. But we're now going into, through this, this anti-terrorism and all the rest of it, a, a scary area uh, where really you just can't even ask certain questions out of curiosity. No, no agenda behind the curiosity question. Because humans are supposed to be a questioning species. That's supposedly how we got to where we are today with technology and, and sciences and everything else. An understanding of humanity and human natures and all of that. The history again of the world. Uh, different groups and nations and ethnicities and why they believe this and why they're, they practice that or whatever. That's all part of curiosity, asking questions. If we didn't ask questions, we'd still be in the cave. You know? But it's not safe anymore to ask lots of questions. It's forbidden. If certain things are put into law, then they're, they're literally forbidden. And, not, and once, believe you me, a law is put out there, uh, supposedly to safeguard against one thing, they all expand. That's the nature again. If, if, if you look at any laws that are put out there, they expand and expand, include and include and include. And then you end up with a system like the old Soviet Union, where regardless of why the initial laws are put out, they expanded into any criticism of the state, the government's policies, or a policy, or even part of a policy, could land you dead, basically, in front of a firing squad, or tortured to death, or put in a gulag. But most folk actually who complain about politics in the Soviet system were classified as psychotically mentally ill and put in asylums, and drugged for the rest of their lives, given ECT, until their brains were scrambled. Because obviously you were mad if you were criticizing the most perfect scientific system in the world, which was the Soviet government system. The reason we learn about these things, or used to learn about them, was because they didn't, you didn't want it happening in your own country. No one did. Who wants that? If you look at Britain, for instance, they've got a massive tradition of criticizing the government policies. Nothing changes but, but, but by it, but at least you can get it off your chest and let off some steam. 
and that was acceptable. In fact, they used to be a lot worse than they are today. When you look at the old newspapers from even the 1700s, and I've seen some of them, the massive cartoons they'd put in there wouldn't be even tolerated today for many reasons, because they were pretty rough, you might say, in different areas, but and very blatant as well to the, to the point they were making. But no one was killed for it or, or imprisoned for putting out these big cartoons. Today they would be. You see. So to stop people talking about things or asking questions is a dangerous thing. Dangerous thing. And it doesn't matter what information is out there, you're always going to get folk on the edge. There are people in, in society who are mentally ill. And you're not responsible for the way they behave or how they act or anything else. It's, it's rather sad, but very, it's a very <laughs> it's a slippy slope too, as I say, into forms of totalitarianism. Now here, for instance, is one article asking what a conspiracy is and what truth is. And it says, what is a conspiracy theory? What is the truth? And it says that the real AIG conspiracy... Obama's on a hot war footing. Western civilization is allegedly threatened by the Islamic State. So you always make your own people at home terrified of the enemy that you're creating if they're not already there. The global war on terrorism is heralded as a humanitarian endeavor. That's another one. We have a responsibility to protect. That's another excuse to use. Humanitarian warfare is the solution. Evil folks are lurking. Take him out, said George W. Bush. Mary Bush uh, changed the gun sights from Afghanistan, that was supposedly behind the 9-11 bombing, that they claimed at first, which was nonsense, of course, too. And you have no idea how many times the Western powers have gone into Afghanistan or tried to get into it. From the 1800s, the two major pushes by Britain and the they were beaten back and so on. Uh, and here they're still at it today, you know. Then Russia, of course, in the 70s, and then you got, uh, the U.S. later on. And then, of course, George Bush changed the gun sights with the help of the media so that people wouldn't even notice in the U.S. that suddenly there were a war with Iraq. And um, he, the inquiry afterwards, Bush was, was asked, you know, uh, why did you go into Iraq? And he says, well, I didn't say that, that, that Saddam Hussein was behind 9-11. And, of course, a lot of his agencies did, actually. They changed it. He said, I just... He says, but Saddam was a bad man, and we're, the, the world's a better place without him. Well, look at the chaos they got now. Anyway, it says the Western media is beating the drums of war, and Obama's military agenda is supported by a vast propaganda apparatus. One of the main objectives of war, propaganda, is to fabricate an enemy. As the political legitimacy of the Obama administration falters, doubts regarding the existence of this outside enemy, namely Al-Qaeda and its network of CIA-sponsored affiliates, must be dispelled. The purpose is to tacitly instill through repeated media reports. That's all I have to do is keep it simple and keep repeating the simplicity. Ad nauseum within people's inner consciousness, the notion that Muslims constitute a threat to the security of the Western world. 
humanitarian warfare is waged on several fronts. Right now, they're drumming up about Russia as one country. They're drumming the war drums against Russia. China, to a lesser extent, really. And the Middle East are currently the main targets. Xenophobia and the military agenda. The wave of xenophobia directed against Muslims, which is swept across Western Europe, is tied into geopolitics. It's part of a military agenda. It consists in demonizing the enemy. That's what's always been done. By the way, there's some amazing sites up there, if I haven't pulled them, showing the the cartoonish uh, posters put out for World War One and World War Two, demonizing enemies of the West at the time. And they're, it's just so blatant uh, how they, they did it to, to, to get in a very simple, Simple form of propaganda. These images burned into the people's heads as to why they're off to fight these folks, you see. But it says, um, here's the, here's the real thing, what's really going on. Muslim countries possess more than 60% of total oil reserves. In contrast, the U.S. of America has barely 2% of total oil reserves. Iraq has five times more oil than the United States. And it says, a large share of the world's oil lies in Muslim lands. The objective of the U.S.-led war is to steal and appropriate those oil reserves. Now, that's true, because I've read in the air that the big oil companies approached, for instance, it was in British newspapers, the big oil companies approached Tony Blair when he was in, the one-man band, he was all for war. And uh, they divvied up the... the, the, the Oil wells they wanted to take over once the, this is long before they had the war in Iraq. It was already planned and, and uh, they wanted to spoil the war before it even happened. It's said to achieve its objective, these countries are targeted at war, covert ops, economic destabilization, and regime change. You see, that's what was used. It goes on to say the American Inquisition, a consensus building process to wage war is similar to the Spanish Inquisition. It requires social subordination. The political consensus cannot be questioned. In its contemporary version, the Inquisition requires and demands submission to the notion that war is a means to spreading Western values and democracy. And it's so true, the idea of democracy, because... I've never yet seen a government representing the people, except from their own propaganda, <laughs> that they tell you they're doing it. You never actually see it in action, in any system. It's a good versus evil dichotomy prevails. We must go after the bad guys. So war is peace, like Orwell said. The big lie has now become the truth, and the truth has become a conspiracy theory. Now, it's so true, this idea of conspiracy theory, I think was first shoved out there. Uh, that, well, not probably wasn't the first time, I bet you, but it's a very old idea by the propagandists as to label focus conspiracy theorists and crazy, etc. But they certainly used it uh, with all the questions that followed the inquiry of the JFK assassination when folk were not happy with this, this, what they were told. 
And the CIA and FBI came out with the idea of what labeled people conspiracy theorists as though it was some kind of kooky paranoid thing that affected only certain people. It says those who are committed to the truth are categorized as terrorists. According to Paul Craig, Craig Roberts, 2011, the conspiracy theory concept has undergone, uh, undergone Orwellian redefinition. A conspiracy theory no longer means an event explained by a conspiracy. Instead, it now means any explanation or even a fact, and that's the most, more dangerous thing, a fact that is out of step with the government's explanation and that of its media pimps. In other words, as truth becomes uncomfortable for governments and its ministry of propaganda, truth is redefined as a conspiracy theory by which it is, is meant an absurd and laughable explanation that we should ignore. Now that takes me right back to what I mentioned earlier. It's no coincidence that different parts of what's called the truth movement are having meetings and, and big shows or exposés along with the guys pushing the aliens and all the channelers who are now, they've moved off from just the spirits of the world into the spirits of aliens out there in different planets. And that's the circus, folks. That's what makes everything laughable and it's intentional too. Certainly, as I say, lots of people will flood into it because they want to be fascinated. But again, that's entertainment. And it's fine if they openly say this is entertainment, folks. But it's, I feel it's very deceptive not to come out and say so. Entertainers should say this is entertainment. And the only thing they don't have is the, the the bearded lady and stuff like that at the end of the show. Is that next? You see? Always think of what you're looking at and what you're listening to. And the format is presented. And who else is there? Why? Just for money? Fine if it is. It's put down as entertainment. So there you go. Let's repeat that again. Yeah. In other words, as truth becomes uncomfortable for the government and its ministry of propaganda, truth is redefined as conspiracy theory, which is meant an absurd and laughable explanation that we should ignore. Fiction becomes fact. Investigative journalism has been scrapped, and that's so true. Yeah, in fact, most uh, media now, mainstream, uh, don't send reporters out anywhere. Hardly, some of them have no reporters at all. <laughs> Just someone who scans the internet and puts in stories that they can repeat from other newspapers at the top. Factual analysis of social, political, and economic issues is a conspiracy theory because it challenges a consensus which is based on a lie. What is the truth? The real threat to global security emanates from the U.S., NATO. They actually say in this article, which is from Global Research, I think big non-profit group. Again, too, it's got kind of Marxist beginning and socialist agenda. You can almost tell, too. It doesn't stop you from reading it. But it says it's a U.S.-NATO-Israel alliance. In other words, who's benefiting across the Middle East? Yet realities in an inquisitorial environment are turned upside down. The warmongers are committed to peace, they say. The victims of war are presented as the protagonists of war. And the homeland is threatened. 
the media, intellectuals, scientists and politicians in chorus obfuscate their unspoken truth, namely that the US NATO-led war destroys humanity. When the lie becomes the truth, there is no turning backwards. When war is upheld as a humanitarian endeavor, justice and the entire international legal system are turned upside down. Pacifism and the anti-war movements are criminalized. Opposing the war becomes a criminal act. Meanwhile, the war criminals in high office have ordered a witch hunt against those who challenge their authority. The big lie must be exposed for what it is and what it does. It sanctions the indiscriminate killing of men, women and children. War is not a light matter, folks. And it's not surgical and hygienic with surgical strikes. It's slaughtering and dismembering people. You don't take it lightly. It destroys families and people. It destroys the commitment of people toward their fellow human beings. It prevents people from expressing their solidarity for the, those who suffer. Because they're scared to back in their own countries say anything else like that. Sad and hor- horrible. But then you get, might get picked on. It upholds a war on the police state as a sole avenue. It destroys both nationalism and internationalism. Breaking the lie means breaking a criminal project of global destruction in which the quest for profit is overriding force. This profit-driven military agenda destroys human values and transforms people into unconscious zombies. This is Let's Reverse the Tide. Challenge the war criminals in high office and the powerful corporate lobby groups which support them. It goes on to talk about what else could be done, close down weapons, factories, military bases, and so all that stuff. Bring home troops and members of the armed forces should disobey orders and refuse to participate in a criminal war, etc., etc. That's a very old cry, that one, but never happens. But so that's by Professor Michael Chusadovsky from Global Research, this article here. This is copyright on it. And it says about the author, it says, Michael Chusadovsky is an award-winning author, professor of economics, emeritus at the University of Ottawa, Canada, founder and director of the Centre for Research and Globalisation, uh, Montreal editor of Global Research. He's also, taught, uh, he's also taught as visiting professor in Western Europe, Southeast Asia, the Pacific and Latin America, serves as economic advisor to governments of developing countries and has acted as a consultant for several international organizations. He's the author of 11 books and so on. And he lists them all here. And I'll put this article up tonight so you, know, you can check it all yourself. And um, as I say too, there's nothing much, I think, any real investigative reporter or historian can criticize in the article where it concerns war and the mechanics behind war and, and getting it going, etc., and what the public are always told. It's always the same things over and over. You always, again, first demonize the enemy as a subhuman species, uh, wild and barbaric, and and take it from there. They don't go into at all the fact of who really has been funding them and set them up in the first place, things like that, you know. Uh, they also have an Arctic member, as I've said before, I mean, uh, I think his history is more Marxist, you know, 
or they might call it neo-Trotskyists probably. That's the, the new the acceptable term for all. But uh, there's another article too from Global Research and it talks about truth is a crime against the state. And this is what I'm talking about tonight is where you end up getting laws passed within countries, then you become a target or if you happen to to repeat something you've read or something you've, you've found out through your own investigations. You become a target by your own government. And that's happened in all, during and before all wars, in fact, uh, when they disagree with uh, what the people are getting told by the government's propaganda arms. So this is by Dr. Paul Craig Roberts and Stephen Lendman, it says. And when you go into who he is, it goes on to talk about his former assistant secretary of the U.S. Treasury and associate editor of the Wall Street Journal. He's held numerous university appointments. He is a frequent contributor to the global research and gives his link to where you can find Dr. Paul Craig Roberts. So this article talks about what's, you know, truth is a crime against the state. And it says, the entire Western edifice rests on lies, and there's no other foundation, just lies. This makes truth an enemy. Enemies have to be suppressed, and thus truth has to be suppressed. Truth comes from foreign news sources such as the RT, and from internet sites such as this one, it says. Thus, Washington and its vassals are busy at work closing down independent media. Washington and its vassals have redefined propaganda. Truth is now propaganda. If it's told by countries, such as Russia and China, that have independent foreign policies. Propaganda is truth if told by Washington and its puppets, such as the European Observer. The European Observer, little doubt following Washington's orders, has denounced RT and Sputnik News, that's a Russian one, for broadcasting fabrications and hate speech. That's another term when you start putting this hate speech on to criticizing government uh, from their uh, bureaus in the European Union cities. Now, I've read, again, it was on the air on different shows, in the past, years ago, in fact, about the European Union setting up a, a, an office, actually, to regulate all news within Europe and how they would become dominant, in their own words, the main distributor of what would be called news, which we call propaganda, where it comes from government departments and so on. And getting back to the article here, it says, Often I appear, this is the author talking to this article, on both RT and Sputnik. In my opinion, both are too restrained in their reporting, fearful, of course, of being shut down uh, than full truth requires. I've never heard a word of hate speech or propaganda on either. Washington's propaganda, perhaps, but not the Russian government's. In other words, the way Washington has the new the news world triggered or rigged, not even independent news sites can speak completely clearly. The Western, and they call it prostitutes, rather than you know, prostitutes, it's a prostitute, this is what they call them, have succeeded in creating a false reality for insouciant Americans and also for much of the European Union population. A sizable percentage of these peoples believe that Russia invaded Ukraine and that Russia is threatening to invade the Baltic states and Poland. This belief exists despite all intelligence of all Western governments reporting there is no sign of any Russian forces that would be required for an invasion. 
the Russian invasion like Saddam Hussein's weapons of mass destruction and Al-Qaeda connections like Assad of Syria's use of chemical weapons against his own people like Iranian nukes never existed, but nevertheless became the reality in the Western media. This is this insouciant Western people's belief in non-existent occurrences. In other words, just to state the obvious non-controversial facts, the Western news media is a propaganda ministry for which no truth emerges. Thus the Western world is ruled by propaganda. Truth is excluded. Fox News, CNN and the New York Times, Washington Post and all the rest of the most accomplished uh, liars in world history repeat constantly the same lies. For Washington, of course, and the military security complex. War is the only possible outcome of propaganda in behalf of war. When the irresponsible Western media brings Armageddon to you, you can thank the New York Times and the rest of the prostitutes for the destruction of yourself and all your hopes for yourself and your children. It says Stephen Landman, who compromises a good chunk of the remaining moral conscience of the West, explains the situation below. Uh, so this article continues with, it, with his, a co-author, uh, Stephen uh, Landman. It says, Western major media marched the same drummer, dutifully regurgitating managed news, misinformation garbage, willfully burying hard truths on issues mattering most. And it's, well, that's the truth, isn't it? Things that you're supposed to know, but you really should know about, it's all, it's all classified as secret. Alternative sources beholden to truth and full disclosure operate by different standards, engendering ire amongst Western nations wanting their high crimes suppressed, bashing sources revealing them. The European Observer claims independent credentials while supporting policies responsible news sources denounce. Independently reporting hard truths isn't its long suit. Its heir to Elizabeth Kirk is the wife of former Danish European Parliament member Jens Peter Bonde, Human Rights Watch European and Central Asian Advocacy Director Veronica Sente Goldstone called this journalist the most in-your-face in Brussels. The European, uh, the Trump Observer, uh, irresponsibly bashed Russia's Sputnik News and RT International, two reputable sources for news information analysis, polar opposite Western media propaganda. It shamelessly called the reporting valued by growing millions broadcasting fabrications and hate speech from their bureaus in European cities. It touted plans by EU officials to counter what they called use and misuse of communication tools. Speaking out uh, a different opinion is now a, a misuse of communication tools. Playing an important part in the dramatic political, economic and security related developments in Eastern European countries over the past 18 months. It drafted a nine-page action plan intended to convey the positive messages. It'll impossible means that the, one, the, 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 the lies that they're putting out from, from the governmental departments. It'll increase funding to blast out Europe's view of things more effectively. It wants EU policies promoted in former Russian republics the old-fashioned way by repeating big lies often enough until most people believe them. A new EU foreign service cell called East Stratcom team, operating by September, will run things functioning as a European Ministry of Propaganda. It will be the central coordinators of all propaganda for Europe, you see. 
It'll develop dedicated communication material on priority issues, put at the disposal of the EU's political leadership, press services, EU delegations and EU member states. Material circulated in Russia and other EU countries aims to let news consumers easily understand that political and economic reforms promoted by the EU can, over time, have a positive impact on their daily lives, even though precisely the opposite is true. It wants so-called benefits Europeans enjoy explained to people continent-wide. Will millions of unemployed, underemployed and impoverished people buy what's plainly untrue from their own experience? Sputnik News, RT, U.S. independent sources like the Progressive Radio Network and numerous others steadily gain audience strength at the expense of scoundrel media people abandon for good reason. Growing numbers want truth and full disclosure on things affecting their lives and welfare. And that's so important. I mean, how can all anything to do with uh, massive corporative free trade agreements with your governments on board with it, all working together, like you can't distinguish who's who anymore, it's all the same. Have secret meetings, have drafted up all these negotiation treaties and keep it all secret from the public. They're not going to tell you, what, what, at least for four years, and even then it'll be some of what they tell you, um, not, not all of what they've passed. It's going to affect your lives to do with trade. Your work, future, everything is going to is, rests on this. Kind of, uh, you're not going to get any disclosure at all. It's none of your business, in other words. And you all vote for these people who pass it all in secret and tell you, well, yes, yes, we've got to keep it secret from the public. What? Why are you voting, folks? Anyway, the BBC is really Fox News with an English accent. U.S. so-called public radio and broadcasting are no different, telling listeners and viewers everything except what they most need to know. Simonian explained Britain has an entire army brigade of 1,500 men whose tasks include the fight against Russia on social networks. I've told you before, you're wealthy careful out there, folk in your joint chat room. It's all managed, folks. Everything's infiltrated, even set up by uh, these organizations. For you to fall into. NATO is a task force aimed at countering Russian influence throughout the world. Only recent, uh, Deutsche Well landed a 24 hour television channel in English to counter RT. At the same time, nearly all the major Western media, including the BBC, DW, and Euronews, have long disseminated their information in the Russian language, while Radio Liberty, uh, funded directly by the US government, broadcasts in Russian. If after all this, the EU still complains that they're losing the information war against Russia, perhaps it's time to realize that growing numbers of people are fed up with being lied to. People want reliable sources of news, information analysis unavailable through mainstream Western sources using propagandists and masquerading as journalists. So that's that article there. And it gives you, as I say, uh, who these folk are that, that wrote these articles and they're all got great credentials and all the rest of it, you know. Now, remember folks to go into cuttingthroughmedics.com archives and you'll hear me yapping about the EU, the government, setting up its own media arm to try to take over and put out all the standard, or standardize all the news across Europe according to the government's positions on things or how they want you to believe or think about it. 
And these things really end up going into nasty, nasty areas. It really does. When government gives credence to one group in your own country and not another group, for instance, in other words, favoritism, uh, how can you how can you stand up to the government when it's done that, you know, and, and do something and, and give another alternative point of view? If it's illegal, it's not allowed. And this is from Canadian Mainstream, Canadian Broadcasting Corporation News. And this is from May, it goes back to May, and it says, Ottawa cites hate crime laws when asked about its zero tolerance for Israel boycotters. There's groups who, who are not, generally the far left again, who are organized, because nobody else is organized really, and they're protesting uh, Israel's policies with the settlers and all the rest of it, and they want to, to boycott goods and trade going into Israel from other countries. So it says, so here's what go, happens. It says, Ottawa, the government, cites hate crime laws when asked about zero tolerance for Israel boycotters. And it's by Neil MacDonald. And it says um, here that the Harper government is signaling its intention to use hate crime laws against Canadian advocacy groups that encourage boycotts of Israel. Such a move could target a range of civil society organizations from the United Church of Canada and the Canadian Quakers to campus protest groups and labor unions. If carried out, it would be a remarkable aggressive tactic and another measure of the Conservative government's lockstep support for Israel, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. Uh, while the federal government just certainly has the authority to assign priorities, such as pursuing certain types of hate speech to the RCMP, any resulting prosecution would require an assent from a provincial attorney general. It said, um, and it would almost certainly be challenged under the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, civil liberty groups say. The government's intention was made clear in response to inquiries uh, from CBC News about statements by federal ministers of a zero-tolerance approach to groups participating in a loose coalition called Boycott, Divest and Sanctions, BDS they call it for short, which was begun in 2006 at the request of Palestinian non-governmental organizations. Asked to explain what zero-tolerance means and what is being done to enforce it, a spokesman for public safety, Minister uh, Stephen Blaney, replied, four days later with a detailed list of Canada's updated hate laws, noting that Canada has one of the most comprehensive sets of such laws anywhere in the world. The BDS tactic has been far more successful for the Palestinians than armed struggle, and it's caught on internationally angering Israel, which reckons boycotts could cost its economy hundreds of millions of dollars. Just last month, 16 European foreign ministers denounced the expansion of Israeli illegal settlements in occupied territories, demanding that any imported goods originating in the settlements be distinctly labelled. And it says, um, But Canada, a country where the federal liberal and NDP leaders also oppose BDS, appears to have lined up more strongly behind Israel than any other nation. In January, Canada's then Foreign Affairs Minister John Beard signed a memorandum of understanding with Israeli authorities in Jerusalem pledging to combat BDS. 
described the movement as the new face of anti-Semitism. So they're using that. Uh, again, in, uh, words association is often important when it comes to propaganda. Uh, so, so with Israel, you can't criticize its policies without them bringing in that to make you feel ashamed of, of, of criticizing the, the state itself or the, the government, I should say. A few days later, at the UN, Canadian Public Security Minister Stephen Blaney went much further. He uh, conflated boycotts of Israel with anti-Semitic hate speech and violence, including the, the deadly attacks that had just taken place in Paris on the night on, on the Charlie Hebdo magazine and a kosher supermarket. Blaney then said the government is taking a zero-tolerance approach to BDS. Coming as it did from the minister responsible for federal law enforcement, the speech alarmed groups that have, to varying degrees, supported boycotts, believing them to be an effective tool to bring about an end of, to Israel's occupation and colonization of the West Bank and its tight grip on Gaza. Some of these groups had noted that the government changed the criminal code definition of hate speech last year, adding the criterion of national origin to race and religion. This charge could, they fear, effectively lump people who speak against Israel in with those who speak against Jews. Michael Vaughan, a lawyer for the British Columbia Civil Liberties Association, says the expanded definition is clearly a tool to go after critics of Israel. And... This is constitutionally protected. Canadian civil liberties groups maintain that boycotts are a long-recognized form of political expression and therefore constitutionally protected. In March, the Canadian Quakers wrote a letter to Foreign Affairs Minister Rob Nicholson expressing concern about Blaney's speech and protesting the label of anti-Semitism. Nicholson's response merely repeated the talking points first used by Blaney at the United Nations and the government's uh, vow not to tolerate boycotts. But in response to specific questions about what zero tolerance of BDS means and how it will be enforced, Blaney aide Josie uh, Siroyes gave CBC News a much clearer picture of the government's intent. He says, I can tell you that Canada has one of the most comprehensive sets of laws against hate crime anywhere in the world. Uh, it says she highlighted what she termed hate propaganda provisions in the criminal code criminalizing promotion of hatred against an identifiable group. And further noted that identifiable group now includes any section of the public distinguished by, amongst other characteristics, religion or national or ethnic origin. She also referred to criminal code provisions requiring that a judge consider hate, bias or prejudice when sentencing an offender. We will not allow hate crimes to undermine our way of life, which is based on diversity and inclusion, she concluded. Uh, Tyler Levitin, a spokesman for Independent Jewish uh, Voices, their principal organizing vehicle for BDS in Canada. So the main main one uh, is for BDS in Canada, uh, for boycotting Israel is, 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 is... seems to be Jewish himself, said he believed he and his fellow organizers are already under surveillance. This is about trying to scare people, he said. He said BDS is an entirely passive movement. It's a decision not to take part in something, not to be implicated, not to be complicit. It's entirely non-violent. That's not always been the case elsewhere in the world, particularly France, where BDS rallies have resulted in confrontations with police. 
but it's the non-violence of the boycott approach that attracted groups like the United Church of Canada. They're also into this, this BDS. Like the Canadian Quakers, the UCC restricts its boycott advocacy to products from Israel's settlements. And um, by some accounts, the BDS movement has divided Jewish organizations in the U.S., some of which mostly on the left support it. And that's from the Associated Press. And it says, the Ontario chapter of CUPE, on the other hand, supports BDS fully. Uh, I think that's the, the union for government employees, like civil servants, uh, shunning any contact or commercial or commerce with Israel. So do, so do a range of other Canadian groups and student organizations at various universities. It's a right and duty of citizens in any free state to engage in constructive, non-violent, peaceful criticism of state actions and behaviors, says Patty Talbot, senior staff members at the UCC. The church sees itself as anti-racist and progressive, which is why it was horrified by the government's description of its advocacy as anti-Semitism and worried by the declaration of zero tolerance. How is zero tolerance going to manifest itself? That's the scary part for most folk, you see, asked Talbot. It could be directed against the United Church. It could be directed against a gamut of individuals in Canadian civil society, people of, people of goodwill. Uh, Talbot said it is all the more troubling given the recent passage of Bill C-51, the government's new anti-terrorism measures. You see, you lump all this, including the branding everything as hate speech. This is going the same way, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid to say, as the, the totalitarian old Soviet Union was, where you couldn't criticize any, any decree of government or any part of its... Um, uh, laws or changes and so you couldn't say any policy uh, was bad because you'd be imprisoned for it or put in a loony bin or killed even so the new anti-terrorism which would further empower the police and intelligence agencies that report to Blaney it's not unrelated she says to the clamping down on dissent Long before signing the joint pledge with Canada, Israel passed a law making it an offence to participate or encourage, or in or encourage BDS. And the Israeli High Court recently upheld most of it, uh, with one of the justices writing that boycotts can be considered political terror. So there you go. At the British Columbia Civil Liberties Association, Vaughan says she is certain a prosecution of boycott advocates for hate speech would not survive a charter challenge. But, she says, the government is certainly uh, sowing dread and chill, and that appears to be its main intention in pronouncing zero tolerance. We've asked our lawyers, what does that mean, says CUPE, President Paul Moist. It's now a criminal, is it now a criminal offence to walk around with a sign saying, close all the settlements, Israel out of occupied territories? Uh, an Egyptian activist, shout, and it shows you two different pictures along with it too, and so on. It says, in France, the law has for years criminalized hate speech based on national origin, and authorities there have in recent years been used, using it to prosecute BDS advocates. To date, more than 20 have been convicted. According to the Israeli newspaper, Haaretz, pro-Israel activists in Belgium are pushing for a similar law there. 
The Obama administration officially opposes boycotts of Israel and a measure now before Congress would direct American trade negotiators to discourage boycotts of Israeli goods. But America has no hate speech laws. The U.S. Constitution guarantees free speech, so a zero-tolerance policy or the type of prosecution as Canada is considering would be impossible. And this uh, this shows you the scariness of it all when when you have uh, different groups again and and even ethnicities involved who are powerful or whatever. Uh, and government backing one or another, or whoever it happens to be at the time, because it bodes no good for anybody in the long run and can cause a lot of misery and unfortunate deaths as well, and ruination of people, and imprisonment, etc., for saying something. I don't care who says whatever. I mean, I can go down town in Sudbury, and you'll see enough people there who are schizophrenic, etc., on the streets. Because we don't look after the people we used to look after years ago. They're all tufted on the streets like they were in Britain and the States and so on, all at the same time, a long time ago. And, and they're hallucinating, and they're screaming at everybody passing them by. You, know. you, you don't take an offence because the guy can't help it. So who cares you know, what he says? As long as he's not hurting anybody physically. But unfortunately, with power politics and so on, in geopolitics, it's a different situation altogether. No one's safe anymore. And when laws like that get passed, say when you can't criticize the government's policies on anything, just just in conversation, you know, I don't agree with that, you know. Uh, you, you, then you're terrified for your life, perhaps, because you said something and just a little quip, you know. That's where we're heading right now. And uh, remember, two folks, you can support me by buying the books, etc. at cuttingthroughmidrace.com. Hopefully you will, or donate something to me. Let me take along here. From Hamish, myself, from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me. Your God, or your gods, go with you. <laughs>